Radio Rounds, the podcast series from St. Louis Children's Hospital. Here's Melanie Cole. According to the American Academy of Pediatrics, approximately 18 out of every 10,000 babies are born with a critical congenital heart defect. This can be life-threatening and requires intervention in infancy. However, it's not always detected prenatally or upon exam in the nursery. My guest today is Dr. Caroline Lee. She is a Washington University pediatric cardiologist at St. Louis Children's Hospital and the director of the Fetal Heart Center. Welcome to the show, Dr. Lee. Tell us about some of the rationale for screening for critical congenital heart defect. Well, thanks, Melanie. As you mentioned, um, congenital heart defects are um, the most common birth defect and are uh, a leading cause of infant mortality. Um, Many of these defects uh, can be detected prenatally um, by fetal ultrasound. However, in our experience, um, over half of those uh, defects are not detected prenatally. Um, and so that relies on uh, detection after birth, which can be difficult in infants who can appear quite well um, while they transition uh, in the first 24 to, four, uh, 80, four, 24 to 48 hours of life. So the rationale behind uh, pulse ox symmetry screening is to uh, hopefully detect uh, abnormalities in an infant's oxygen level that may alert the uh, medical staff that there is a critical congenital heart defect. So let's classify those heart defects into some categories to help better understand the problems that the baby might experience. So um, critical congenital heart defects are um, those that are on the more serious end of the spectrum. Those are ones that are usually will require intervention, either surgery um, open-heart surgery or cardiac catheterization within the first year of life. Critical um, heart defects can lead to organ injury and even death if not diagnosed soon after birth. Um, those include diagnoses such as uh, transposition of the great arteries, tetralogy of Fallot, hypoplastic left heart syndrome, tricuspid atresia, truncus arteriosus, pulmonary atresia with intact ventricular septum, total anomalous pulmonary venous return. These are among uh, other defects as well. So if the asymptomatic infant fails their pulse ox screening, what's the likelihood that they have this or some other serious disease that it might be present? Um, That's a good question. So there are um, other reasons that a baby may not pass a pulse oximetry screen. In order to uh, be considered a pass, uh, in our system, in our health system, uh, that would the infant would need to have a, a pulse oximetry reading of at least 95% in the right hand um, and foot, and have less than a 3% difference between the right hand and foot measurements. If they do not meet this criteria um, and they are retested at one or two other times to confirm that they do not pass, um, it can mean that there is a critical. Um, congenital heart defect, but it can also uh, be help identify babies with other causes for low oxygen levels. And those other causes include um, infection, uh, respiratory diseases such as pneumonia or pulmonary hypertension, um, and even other heart defects that are not considered critical. With this pulse ox screening, we've found that uh, in addition to critical heart defects being detected, there are actually more often non-heart uh, critical heart defects are are being discovered as well, other reasons. Dr. Lee, which babies should be screened? 
Well, since 2013, uh, in the states of Missouri and Illinois, uh, it has been legislated that uh, there should be universal pulse oximetry screening uh, for all newborns. So um, all newborns after 24 hours of age should undergo this screening test. So then when we're talking about those babies getting the screening test, when, uh, you know, when should the screening begin after or before discharge? It should be done before discharge, um, and again, after 24 hours, which has allowed uh, the baby to transition uh, from sort of fetal circulation to the to newborn circulation and allows time for the ductus arteriosus to close. Um, that is a fetal vessel that is uh, usually goes away within the first uh, day or two of life, and in critical heart defects can be necessary to avoid hemodynamic compromise. So we do wait after 24 hours to give that time for the ductus arteriosus to start closing, which then may help uh, reveal a lower oxygen saturation level. And where should the screening occur? The screening occurs uh, in the newborn nursery by trained staff, uh, hopefully in a quiet area with the infant, awake, calm, quiet, uh, and it should be uh, performed on the right hand of the infant, a measurement obtained on the right hand, and also on one foot. Do you test them one right after the other? Yes, it should be done pretty soon right after the other to get uh, accurate measurements in a similar state. And then if one, if a oxygen level is less than 95% or if there's greater than 3% difference between the right hand and foot readings, then it should be repeated. So are there any modifications if, if someone is at high altitude or what about babies that are born at home? That's a great question. So it has been shown that infants at high altitude have a slower uh, decline in their pulmonary vascular resistance, uh, which means that their transition period is longer. So they may be more prone to false positives. Fortunately, in the St. Louis area, we are not in a high altitude area, but that has been shown uh, in regions like uh, Denver um, and other high altitudes to, to cause more false positive readings. Um, and as for home birth, that also is a good question, um, how to capture all of those babies and effectively screen uh, those babies. And I know, uh, at least in the state of Missouri, they've been working on ways to ensure that uh, midwives and those who do home deliveries are adequately trained uh, to go out and, and screen these babies. And what about premature infants? Premature infants who are often in the newborn ICU uh, are often on continuous monitoring of their oxygen saturations, or at least quite routine uh, O2 monitoring. And so uh, they also uh, kind of undergo screening in that way. So then speak about what a pediatrician would do if there's been a failed screen. Should uh, immediately evaluate, assess the baby. And again, signs can be subtle. A baby may not have a murmur. A baby may not appear dusky or cyanotic, obviously. Um, but for that reason, an echocardiogram should be performed. And that echocardiogram should be interpreted by a pediatric cardiologist. What and depending you... on those findings, depending on those findings, um, or if an echocardiogram services are not available at the local hospital, then it will be necessary to transfer the infant to a tertiary care center uh, to have that echocardiogram performed and further medical assessment. 
What would you like to tell other pediatricians about the importance of this newborn screening for congenital heart disease? It is important that uh, newborn screening be done routinely uh, by well-trained personnel because it can uh, identify and be a life-saving measure uh, to find babies who have uh, either critical congenital heart disease or, as we mentioned before, other uh, disease states such as infection or respiratory disease that may uh, cause them uh, hemodynamic compromise. And then tell us about your team, Dr. Lee. Why is St. Louis Children's Hospital so great to work with? The Heart Center at St. Louis Children's Hospital in Washington University um, is a multidisciplinary team consisting of cardiologists, cardiac surgeons, cardiac anesthesiologists, cardiac intensive care unit attendings, um, and all sorts of ancillary staff as well. Uh, with representation of all the cardiac subspecialties, whether it be an echocardiography, electrophysiology, cardiac catheterization, or heart failure and transplant. So regardless of the type of cardiac issue an infant or a child may have, we have a diverse uh, and deep team uh, that is well-equipped to care for uh, any child with pediatric heart disease. Thank you so much, Dr. Lee, for being with us today. A physician can refer a patient by calling Children's Direct Physician Access Line at 800-678-HELP. That's 800-678-4357. You're listening to Radio Rounds with St. Louis Children's Hospital. For more information on resources available at St. Louis Children's Hospital, you can go to stlouischildrens.org. That's stlouischildrens.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.